Welcome to the Worship Theology Podcast. This is a space where we're bridging faith and ministry praxis. Today I've got Geraldine Latte, who's an encourager, a songwriter, performer, worship leader, vocal coach, and choir director. Her musical journey has taken her from Australia to the Albert Hall, from street parties to cathedrals, from singing with teenage mums to radio and TV appearances, and leading choirs at local pubs and in cathedrals. Her music fuses styles like soul, gospel, gospel, blues, jazz, world music, classical, and rock. And she's also a lecturer on the theology, music, and worship programs at London School of Theology. Geraldine, you've been leading worship for a long time, right? Oh, my goodness. As you said that, I'm flashing back to when I probably was about 10. And, um, and, so part of my um, church heritage, as you know, is Pentecostal, West Indian Pentecostal. And then as soon as you say you love Jesus, following Jesus, you are up for grabs. So it means it meant for us in that that community that I said I love Jesus when I was 10. So, OK, so can you come and lead worship? You know, although they didn't call it lead worship all the way back then. It was... Um, it was something like lead the devotional part of the service, which entailed bringing a song, a hymn, um, praying, and then a Bible reading. And then that was it. And then you'd then hand back to the moderator who would then take the service through. So, yeah, I remember 10 kind of like standing at the front, leading a song. I can't remember what the song was. I think I, my, I prayed, but I think my Bible reading was something around, I think it was Revelation 22 or Revelation, one of the, the latter chapters. And I remember it because King James Version and it had all those, you know, the lists of backbiters and, and stumbling over some of those words as I'm reading, like, how do I even say this word in public? So that's why I remember that. But yeah, have definitely been leading worship since I was how, about 10. Like as, as a 10 year old, do you have... Yeah, any memory of how you prepared for that moment? Oh, wow. Like, yeah. again, that's that's a while back. Yeah, I mean, but, but it is. Yeah. Do you, yeah. What what were your thoughts, or yeah, what yeah, yeah. what 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 do you think you were perceiving in that yeah. moment as what what became known as leading worship? Yeah, real. But, but yeah. what were what were some of those early thoughts as a child who was involved in public ministry? Yeah, you know what I think. And I don't know what the percentage would be, would be, but a, a large part of that um, preparation would be imitation. Mm -hmm. So it would be what I saw my mum doing, my dad doing, other people doing, and so they do it like that. So I'm going to do it like that. So an, an imitation, um, as I've discovered as I've gone on, in terms of the mentoring into a lot of how I learned to pray was... I'll use those phrases, do you know what I mean? And so I don't think there's anything wrong with imitation, but that was part of my, I'll do it like that, I'll use that prayer. Oh, and so the fact that I used Revelation 20, one of the later ones, if I was preparing now, I would probably either reference themes or check in with service leaders or at least check in with what am I currently reading Whereas back then I wasn't doing that. I was like, let me find a Bible verse. And so quick, it was kind of like panic buy, you know. So that was, so, 
so I guess that was the limitation of my experience then. So it would have been imitation. I also do remember leading a prayer meeting, a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And part of my preparation for that would have been, um, I do remember thinking, I want the hymn, which I remember one of the, the songs was Hand in Hand with Jesus. Hand in hand we walk each day. And I wanted the hymn to link somehow with the reading. So mm -hmm. I do remember having some kind of process of thinking, how are there any verses that talk about walking with Jesus? And then it was a prayer meeting, so I would pray, but I would be encouraging people to pray. So I remember thinking, how could I encourage people to talk about prayer mm. and walking with Jesus? So it was that kind of, of thing, the, the, the panic by, as it were, and the imitation, but also how can we link a theme through, I guess, would have been part of the preparation. It's beautiful. I mean, some time has passed since 10-year-old Geraldine yeah. to today, right? Yeah. How would you now define worship leadership? Even wow. even at that point, you, you weren't even, mm. that term wasn't even used no. in your context. No, and probably in, in many contexts, that yeah. term wasn't, wasn't um, there wasn't a title or a job no. description. But today, no. that's yeah, an important role yeah. in many, many churches. How yes. how do yeah. you today, kind of looking back through your experience, through your study, yes. through yes. hundreds or thousands of services? Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there would be. I, I think what, what I referenced in terms of what experience has taught me and, and with Carrie as well, I have been, I have lost count the number of times I've been reading something in the morning. So I, so part of our devotional um, together is to read through the Bible. And so, you know, we could be in Leviticus or Job or in Acts. And, you know, you kind of expect some of the references from Acts or the Gospels to be the, the power go-to places. I don't expect, didn't expect there to be things I could use, say, from Job or Leviticus, but I have lost count the number of times I've been preparing to lead worship. And, and it's stuff that I guess some would say that's coming from the well that's already there or the explorations that are already going on or the conversations with God that are already taking place that you're preparing to lead. And, and suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I've that's come from a reflection place or I'm processing this and this feels so appropriate for so so for me using what is already in my hands already in the well of my reflection and conversations with God and not discounting that so that would be one place and and I would even extrapolate that out from it's not just the daily devotionals it it is the whole of my life, the whole of my experience with God. And so that place of, um, I, 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 I want to know what makes God smile, mm -hmm. what, what makes God sad, what makes God go silent, what makes God belly laugh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hilarious, you know what I mean? What makes God angry, um, so, so that you don't get that in a in a quick half an hour before leading the Sunday before that is kind of explorations of a lifetime and eternity, you know. And I, and so, pulling extrapolating out even further, 
um, preparation has been from that space as well. So that, so that when I add in, let's say, some more practical preparation in terms of learning the song, knowing the song, choosing the songs, um, attaching it to a theme, whether it's a theme that I am generating from that devotional place or from what I am discovering of God and God in creation and God in interactions with people and um, uh, it, it's coming from that place, but it's also the practical, what, what are the thematic, um, indexes telling me about God in Jesus or God in creation. So checking through that, the rehearsal place, the 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 going back to the song, and actually one of the things, and I learned this from, from another worship leader, that's the imitation place again coming in, but it's one of the best treasures that I, I have discovered. And he said, when you prepare to lead worship, don't just get to your song list and present your song list in the rehearsal and in the public place, but pray through the songs. And so that for me has been just mind blowing. So for me, you know, we, we might do, uh, my hope is built on nothing less. And so to pray through it, God, I pray that people that are coming in, and if I, if I know the community and the congregation praying specifically, they're struggling with this or, worrying about that but we pray that when we get to that line in the song or that concept of hope uh, on on solid ground of Jesus that they would have re literally have a revelation of my hope is built on nothing less and Christ alone cornerstone we pray God that there'd be a revelation for me and for us of what a cornerstone means. I don't know, I don't see many cornerstones in my ordinary every day, but would you somehow bring a revelation of that foundational place, the anchoring place that, that somehow brings release, brings security, brings reestablished hope, brings courage to pray again and to hope again. So for me, praying through the songs has really... Um, help so that when when we come to the public place the song has already been lived in the spirit it's not just uh, hey this is the next one on the AV or this is the next one in the hymn book but this has already been prayed this has already been lived in the spirit so those are a few I guess some places of preparation from the macro I guess in terms of life to the micro praying it for our community the that we'll be leading yeah, the next situation. Yeah, I love situation. that, this multifaceted approach where it's, again, it, yes, it is musical. Yes, it is thematic of what's happening in the service, yeah, but yeah. you're drawing in what's happening in the lives of the congregation, yes, what's happening yes, yes. in your life. Can you yes. take us even a little deeper? Um, what what does it mean to be a leader of right, corporate worship? Right, I mean... To you, yeah. Yeah, in, I mean, I, I think I've had different manifestations of it, different preferences of it, different things I've seen in others that I think I want to imitate that and places where I thought I don't like that. And <laughs> so places where I've thought I don't like that include where where I have felt when I have been on the receiving end of it or I confess where <laughs> I've even done it, where there's a kind of a badgering, a kind of come on guys, you need to be and and you're not you're not worshiping enough and uh, so let's sing that song again and where I've received that or being as I said delivering that I haven't liked that and I haven't I haven't 
either when I've received it or reflected on me doing it, just thought, oh, that's just felt, it hasn't felt like a good shepherd. It hasn't had those characteristics. So those are things I, I haven't liked. Places that I've imitated or places that I've liked are those places where I'm aware of being led, but I'm not feeling that I'm being led. I'm aware of, yeah, there's somebody at the front and they've given us ideas about songs or we're going to sing this song or we're praying. But there's also been a sense where I feel that I've been set free and released to bring my own um, response to God in that time, whether it is my own um, prayer spoken or sung or my own words to the hymn or the song that's being used up there. So a sense of being um, set free to other um, places and expressions I've heard people worship leaders say you know worship lead for the audience of one so that you're not worship leading for the congregation it's you and God and and God is the audience and and so I've heard that and part of that I agree with it and part of that um, I have questions about in terms of when it feels like it's the audience of one it may translate to, for me, eyes closed and that kind of intimate place. But for me, I'm thinking, but what about the people that are in front of us? And if I kind of feel like I've got this hotline mm -hmm. to God, audience of one, how am I drawing in the person that actually, for whatever reason, feels utterly disconnected from God? And they're watching me with that connection. And how are they being? So, so that I can see some of the qualities but I have questions about that other things um that have to do with um the it's, it's not about being a worship leader but it's about being the uh, how is it described the first one in leading people so so it's kind of like this is this is what I've seen of God. Can I share with you what I've seen of God? And can we go on this journey together? I like that. I like something around that that is, it's not apologetic. So it's not mumbling and saying, I don't know what I'm doing here and, and uh, I, I'm not a leader. But it's something like, I've seen something. Can I share this with you? And so I like things around um, that, um, that expression of, of worship. I mean, those are some of the 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 expressions that I've drawn on. Yeah, as you share that, I I I'm I kind of think through two different analogies. One, I don't I don't I've never been to one in the UK, but do you know pep rallies? Pep a pep rally. A, oh it's, yeah, It's yeah, essentially yeah, a rally before yeah. the team goes out. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah, common yeah. in high schools yeah. growing Motivation, up for me. Yeah, uh, just yeah, kind of, get everyone excited. It's not the yeah, game itself. No, um, right. It's kind right, of right, right. The, prequel sometimes the teams aren't even there if it's a football team they might, might be in another city yeah and and I, I think some of us see worship leading as a cheerleader for yeah, a pep rally yeah, that right. Jesus isn't even present right. at yeah. and oh so it's goodness. like give me a J J yeah. you know oh, come on yeah. guys and I yeah. mean I can think even that analogy, I've heard it used. Like, mm -hmm. if you were at a football game, you'd be exactly. you'd be clapping, church, yes. almost yes. to beat them up. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, you know, I you know, I've spent a lot of time with 
yeah, the church and minority context. And mm-hmm. I've heard so many times, I was just in China and you know, the Chinese house church. So like using mm-hmm. what God's doing somewhere else yes. to, yeah. to kind of Say try to, to. I mean, yeah, the motivation behind it is to try mm. to get people to express their love. But yeah. instead yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, you've got to do this. If yeah. it doesn't look like this, it's yeah. not worship. Oh, my goodness. And I think yeah. the flip side is, as you were sharing, an, another model would be like being a server or a waiter mm. or even just someone who's invited someone else into your home yes. and kind of setting a that. setting yeah. a table of yes. um, ingredients and food. Yeah. And yeah. and sometimes it's, what, what would you like to drink? Yes. What would you like to eat? And other times yes. it's, here's what I've spent yes. all week or all month or yeah. <laughs> three degrees, yes. three academic degrees, yeah. learning how yes. to, how to, you know, how to set this yeah. worship table or yes. this liturgical yes. table before you. And I yeah. think, I think there's a upside to, to that model of being in a place of inviting people mm. to come rather than, yeah. rather than shouting at them to come. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so true. And, and, Thinking, I mean, I, I did try this once and I, I'm not sure. I think I did have, you know, the blank stares of what is she doing? Um, but I was just thinking as well in terms of Jesus um, practically leading worship and how did how did he draw people to the presence of God? You know, and, and one that's just dropped into my mind um was again the woman at the well which is just one of my I'm fascinated by that account but but how he drew her into the presence of God with questions and and I I did try this once but we'd had um um a well-known speaker come and I was just hearing him speak and it was just so much sparking off from what he said and at the at the for the response time I thought we could sing a song, but but why don't we just why don't you just turn to the person next to you and as part of our worship, ex- ask the questions and explore and and seeing that as and so I'm not sure how effective people thought that was, but in my mind and my heart, I was wanting to give space for the questions to be our worship response to God in that time. So I'm sure that, yeah, there are lots of other ways of bringing our worship and, and models that we can, we can try. I, I love yeah what you're saying here, and it makes me think of just the term engagement okay. and how do we engage yes. the congregation. Yes. Yes. And I think what yes. we're both saying is, Probably not beat them up. Yes. <laughs> it's some, so at true. some point, yeah, there needs yeah. to be encouragement. We need to stretch and yes. challenge. And yes. sometimes we do want to say, hey, would you lift your hands or would yeah. you clap or would you yes. you yes. shout, even yes. if you don't exactly. feel it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, what, what, what are some approaches or strategies that you gave one there of mm. you know, turn, turn mm. to your neighbor to share? What are those, mm. some of those things, your go-tos to help yeah. get God's people to yeah. engage? What does what that look like for question. you? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, as, as you're saying that I was, we're here at Dort University and just coming to the end of our eight week amazing experience with students and faculty and the wider community 
um, sort of worship arts students in particular and the wider community. And so we've been able to work alongside them, mentoring and singing, songwriting and leading worship. And then two weeks ago, um, Carrie and I were honoured to be asked to lead worship at the Praise and Worship Gathering, which um, starts at 10 p.m. and kind <laughs> of has a cut-off time around about half 11 midnight. So that was a bit of a culture shock, but honoured to be asked to lead that. I'm, I'm sure you've done some all-night prayer right. meetings yeah, and watch, night, watch yeah. night prayer meetings in your life, yeah. knowing, knowing your Maybe a few ecclesial years ago. background, yeah. that you've yeah. probably done some all-night prayer meetings. Yeah, but, for sure. But not every Thursday. No, <laughs> not every Thursday. And uh, But it was, it was an amazing opportunity. And I think the question, why I think that's an excellent question, is... Um, before I give some examples from that night, is I think engagement. And I think, I wonder if a, a great deal of people who lead worship or who are worship leaders do want that engagement, whether they're coming from the, the brow-beating pep rally thing or the kind of encouraging. What they want, I think, is engagement. We want a sense of we're in this together. But I think where we fall short is and why I think this question is such a great question is giving our communities tools for the job. Mm-hmm. We we kind of have the expectation that let's sing in the spirit. Everybody knows how to sing in the spirit. No, they do not. Yeah. You know, let's all pray together. So we're assuming everyone can pray together. No, they they don't. Everybody doesn't know how to do that. Even let's all clap. Like people are like, have some people have got real phobias about clapping. Will I get it right? You know, will I clap on the beat? And where do I put that? You know, and and so we 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 have, I think, for the most part, an expectation for engagement, but we don't give the tools for the job. And so I think part of the the challenge and the question, the joy, the adventure for us as lead worshippers, worship leaders, however you call it, is how are we giving our precious congregations tools to engage? And so one of the ways, coming back to this praise and worship um, event that we led a few weeks ago. So part of our pre- in our preparation for Carrie and I, we were had in our minds that, that the engagement we were wanting was for um, or hoping for was for the students to be able to sing out their own praise, speak out their own praise. But we didn't want to just assume that people knew how to do that. So what we did was we spent probably the first five minutes, which is a long time actually in, in that time, but the first five minutes putting up Psalm 100 on the screen and and encouraging them along with us in silence, in the quiet of your hearts, read through Psalm 100. And uh, and if there's a verse or a phrase that stands out to you, grab onto it, hold onto it. So we read that in the quiet of our hearts, two minutes, two and a half minutes. And then after two and a half minutes, okay, now read it again. You know, so it's not like moving on. And so the room is quiet and you can think, like, is anybody <laughs> engaging? But we are, we. so we finished, so that must have been about three, four, five minutes of encouraging them to read and then to hold on to it, hold it. And then we went on to a song. Now, they might have been sitting there thinking, when am I going to use this bit? But but we went on to a song. And in fact, it was, we welcome you with praise. We mm-hmm. welcome you mm-hmm. with praise. 
And so we sang that song. But even in that song, we didn't sing the verse. We didn't sing the pre-chorus or the bridge. We just sang the cor that chorus bit. And again, people are thinking, what, when's the chorus going to happen? And when am I going to use Psalm 100? And then um, I started improvising. Um, and those with ears to hear would have heard that I was improvising from Psalm 100. But it was just me mm -hmm. doing that. And that was sandwiched in between. We welcome you with praise and then back to me bringing some more voice mm -hmm. verses from a Psalm 100. And then after we'd done all of that, and this is where God caught us out, Carrie and I out well and truly off, exposed the lack of faith that we had. So we sang, we welcome you with praise. And then, then I said to the group, okay, so those, those verses that you had at the beginning, why don't um, you just shout out, you know, your verse? I was actually expecting one, two, at the most three people to shout out their verses. So I said, okay, so shout out um, your verse. And what I was thinking is that I would take the one and I would, we'd sing, we welcome you with praise. And then we would, I would improvise over that one verse. So I said, shout out your verse. At that, that, that point, the whole room erupted. All of the students mm. shouted out their verses mm. at the same time. Mm. And so we stopped in our tracks and I looked at <laughs> Kerry like, oh, and then I had to confess because I'm a bit transparent <laughs> like that. So guys, I'm really sorry, but I was only expecting <laughs> one or two. And then, so then, but then there was a, the laughter and the, yeah. so I said, but guys, uh, we need to do that again. So shout out your verses all at the same time. So they all shouted out their verses. And then it was like, no, that's too quick. I tell you what, why don't you shout out your verses? Let's do it three times. So three times. And by this time, I'm not having to say do it louder because mm. it was just, ha it was mm. just in the, and we were all coming into this place of engagement, I guess, mm -hmm. using. So then at the back of three times, then we could go into, we welcome you with praise. And so it was like the, the Lord by the spirit had just gifted us with an engagement moment that we weren't expecting. So suddenly it was now, okay, we welcome you with praise and they could. So what about one or two of you just shout out some of your words individually? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we'd had that moment, which mm -hmm. in itself was about another five minute, mm -hmm. eight minute moment. So then people will then just confident enough. We know what to do now, mm -hmm. Geraldine. In a sense, we don't need you now because we know what to do. So they're kind of shouting out their verses. So rather, so when they shouted out their verses, I thought hearing that sound in my ear still of the whole room erupting, I'm thinking we've heard one voice. Hey, why don't we all just speak their, their voice back? To so then they were all speaking their verses mm -hmm. back to the individual. So the individual was hearing their verse in the room. It was incredible. Mm. And, and I, as you say, have been, had the honor of leading worship for years, but we had, that was another moment. Mm -hmm. That was another moment of engagement. And then we went on from that to, um, uh, what about somebody reading out their verses, just kind of reading and we'll, one person in the room said, can I sing mine? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, okay, you go on ahead. So she sang this amazing kind of verse. And then again, we're just with the breath of the spirit thinking, okay, what should we do with that? I tell you what, why don't we just take the last phrase that we sang and just sing it? Are the room singing it? So suddenly it's, 
you know, our expectation in preparation in the quiet of our room was, God, we would love for these students to sing their prose, to speak their prose. And here we are in the moment, finding ourselves carried on this tide of yeah. singing praise, speaking praise, shouting praise. And then we went on eventually to um, pray that mm -hmm. into it. But, it. but for us, that was, for me, having done it for years, yet another reminder that, of how little I know mm -hmm. and how much I have to learn. But seeing what God can do when people, precious people, know what to do they have the tools to do that there's so much going on in my mind as you <laughs> as you share that like at one level you're teaching training like there's intentionality in teaching people how yeah. to pray how to engage with god how right, to listen yes. yeah i mean there's also musical and confidence being instilled you yes. know musical training and confidence being yes. instilled to to god's people too you're yeah. using things that are are familiar, like the yes. chorus of we welcome you with praise. Yeah, yeah. You're using things that are deep, deep within the Christian tradition. Well, within the, yeah, the people of God's tradition, yeah. the singing, the corporate singing yes, yes, and reading yes. of, of Psalms, which yeah. is something within the, yeah, the oh, reform tradition, but also even beyond that is yeah. something, yeah, yeah to John Whitfleet says, we apprentice ourselves to the Psalms and they Come help on. shape our yeah. whole being, form yeah. our, our whole life. Yeah. And so I, I love that unique balance of like planning, teaching, flow, inspiration, yeah, yeah, yeah. improvisation, openness. Yes, um, yeah. And I would add playfulness, yeah, yeah. surprise, yeah. react. So the spontaneity that isn't simply let's riff on this song and improvise, you know, more psalmic words, but the spontaneity that has to do with laughter, yeah being caught out what do you think what i mean we were in a room small enough so you could hear what people were saying yeah. so i'm aware that there are other um contexts but that spontaneity that is the playful mm -hmm. fun factor that we're children yeah. together yeah. and and uh and and that's the 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 uh, the unassumed place so actually we have we've done some preparation, but we don't know all the answers, and we can get surprised and caught out and get it wrong. And so, yeah, all of those things coming into into play. So yeah, yeah such a beautiful example of 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 what kind of yeah flow in the in the biggest yeah, sense of the word what yes. flow and worship could look like as yes. we center around God's word. Yes. Yeah, and I, I loved hearing too. There was there was kind of an individual devotional and spiritual expression where people were reading the psalm and kind of yeah, hearing God's yes. spirit speak to them individually. Yes. But then that didn't just stay in their own no. heart. It was something that then was brought before oh the gathered people and yes. to celebrate that or yes. or, or, or yes. engage with and, that. And yeah. people people refer to it. So after that event. Um, an hour and a half, two hours later, people were still around the grand piano singing and mm. worshipping, singing their worship. But people who we had conversations with were referring to other verses they'd heard. So they come mm. and they say, you know, oh, um, I really appreciated or liked it when, you know, what she said, what was it she said? Oh, she said that. The, the one who said um, that verse, that really... So people were already by the time the evening had come to an end were eating bread shared by other people in the room yeah. there is nothing mm. like that 
nothing like that place where bread of life is broken and communion happens and people are already living in the overflow of somebody else's yeah. receipt yeah. of God's communion with them. Nothing like that. Love this. This is amazing. I mean, I, I hear in, in all these stories that you're sharing, just on one hand, this very fresh, innovative, in the moment, spon spontaneous, you know, <laughs> both improvised musically and also, Holy Spirit, what are you saying mm -hmm. right now? But then in all of this, I, I, I hear a deep connection to tradition, even in your story mm -hmm. as a 10-year-old, like yeah. what you called imitation, I might say, is the tradition of prayer passed on by mm. your mom and dad yeah, and true. maybe their parents. Again, not, not, I haven't met them yet, but so you know, true. Your, yeah. your mom and dad. But, yeah. but, but how, how do you see that connection to the fresh, innovative, creative, but also a connection to the great traditions and the, mm. the experiences and the rhythms of worship that are given to us by our, our parents? So true. Yeah, love these questions, Jeremy. I, I, and thanks for the the reminder as well that whether we would call ourselves our traditions spontaneous or charismatic or traditional, that liturgy is taking place. Mm -hmm. There is there is something that is the work of the people that is to do with the repetition and however you see it, um, liturgy is taking place. And I think for me this may not answer the question directly but it, but it, it might help to explain some of my understanding of mm -hmm. this is so my churchmanship is uh, certainly in my formative years mm. was pentecostal west indian pentecostal where spontaneity is the thing so spontaneous prayers and and even preaching spontaneously, you know, the phrase, I had this prepared, but the Lord gave me this this morning and I'm chucking my sermon notes away. And now this is what the Lord is um, saying. So spontaneity is the thing. Improvisation is the thing. And so I grew up thinking that prophetic meant spontaneous. And then it's only as I um, had experience of other churchmanships through the reform tradition mm -hmm. through the Methodist experience in, in the UK, the Anglican tradition, where prayers are written down, the Lord's Prayer, where the creed, you're coming into the creed, where even that, what is called the, the penitence prayer, Lord have mercy on mm -hmm. me, that those prayers in and of themselves, they may not be spontaneous, but they are deeply mm -hmm. prophetic mm -hmm. in how they are saying this is God speaking for here and for now and so for me coming that was that was a definite mindset paradigm shift into not always thinking oh now he's being prophetic she's being prophetic oh right now he's just reading a prayer that's 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 imitate simply imitation or boring or that's not inspired or that's that's not of the lord even it's just a reading a rhyme but so kind of being a paradigm shift to oh my goodness when i say the creed there is something that i am announcing to heaven and to earth to creation to hell to me mm. to others mm. there's something that is shifting atmospheres when I say the creed and so to be able to come into that understanding has been a paradigm shift for me and so so I guess I would say in terms of how 
staying connected to history, staying connected to tradition, I would say for me, it's it's coming into an understanding of definitely not throwing it away, mm -hmm. definitely deliberately bringing it into ref as a reference pla place, as a plumb line place. This is good. And so I guess even in, in you know, so, so again, just to refer to that evening that I that I mentioned leading at praise and worship where we were kind of riffing and flowing with the spirit and with the spontaneously some would say and that's prophetic some would say but at the end of that session we'd had word and psalm and hand claps and clap offerings and all of that but we took all of that moment we we went into stillness mm -hmm. and then we just started Praise God from whom all mm -hmm. blessings flow. Mm -hmm. And we started to sing that. And, uh, and obviously here at Dort, it is such a well-known um, uh, definitive place of prepared. Um, some would say, oh, well, we always sing that. Where's the prophetic <laughs> yeah. in that? But that became just a place because we just come from giving our praise and finding our praise in the flow of the spontaneous and then now anchoring it into the, the, um, the, the place of prepared at, um, four lines of praise and doxology and being able to almost kind of go zoom, anchor that into something that is historic was so moving. And then what happened? I mean, again, it, it, it was a flow place. So we had done that. But then that then springboarded into, I praise you, God, from whom all blessings mm -hmm. flow. Mm -hmm. So it kind of went from the spontaneous flow into the, 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 lit, the liturgy of the spontaneous, into the liturgy of the doxology, into the liturgy of I can bounce from this into, again, my, mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. personal praise. So, yeah, I think recognizing tradition, prayers, and, and practicing it. I think don't wait for it to suddenly happen <laughs> in the moment, you know, read it, read, ex yeah. um, experiment, explore, adventure in your preparation time. Yeah. What, what would those church fathers and church mothers be saying? How, what have they said about mm. prayer? What have they said about Christ and Christ revealed what have they said about my response in the quiet place what have they said about creation track those prayers down or track down the ones that we sometimes negate and say oh that's been said so many times we don't but track it down how can we restate Christ has lived, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ. How can we restate yeah. that again in a way that can add into our what is called contemporary worship, but anchor it into the the history and the richness of our tradition? So yeah, just something of. And I, I of often a, think sometimes, as as leaders of worship, planners of worship, we think our church would never do that or the tastes right. of our church. Yes. You know, we could never sing spontaneous worship right. in my church or yes. bringing in a liturgy, you know, or a litany or yeah, a confession yeah, yeah. and assurance would, would be so, it's too liturgical. It's yeah. too Catholic. Oh, it's Lord. too Lutheran. Yeah. It's yeah. too, you know, and yet I, I can remember at London School of Theology when I was, was there working with you, Richard Hubbard, myself, yeah. Angela was the, the Dean of Community, my wife. Mm. We had an Ash Wednesday service where we had the imposition mm. of ashes. Mm. So it was very um, 
melancholy about us being dust oh, yes, and right. um, the it was it was dark. Richard used his you know kind of unaccompanied chamber choir, Viva yeah, Voce, to yeah. to create a really um, yeah deep even dark um, yeah, experience. It yeah, felt yeah. a tiny bit like a funeral. And yeah, again, that's yeah, Ash Wednesday. Yes, we yeah. will die. Um, yes. We are dust. Yeah. And of course, there were some modern songs thrown in there, and mm. and Angela and I helped lead. Yeah, fairly traditional Anglican liturgy, mm. and the the institution there for those that don't know is interdenominational. So yes, we have yes. Black Pentecostals, we have yeah. Baptists, Anglicans, yeah. non-denom yes. from all oh, parts of the, of world, the world. We had yeah. and it's such a beautiful mix. And what I thought that service as we were planning would really bless our high church Anglicans yes. or our liturgically aware Baptists yes. yeah. and, or people like me who, yeah. you know, or, and yes. you who have studied yeah, and experienced breadth. it, yeah. who love the breadth yeah. and love that experience. Yeah. But I was flabbergasted, shocked, mm. amazed mm. that um, particularly our black majority church mm. pastors mm. came up to Angela and I, four or five of them, wow. like saying, can you give us those prayers can you give us that liturgy did you write you know did you write those and we were like we we wish i mean we were wish that we were that you know it's insightful and and for them you know the they had been studying theology they've planted Mm. churches and Mm. and have have grown in a value for the the breadth of emotional expression Mm. and the breadth of theological expression that we see in scripture and so as they saw that again what i thought would be great for the liturgically minded um those who were from a much more spontaneous and even sometimes we could label prosperity gospel even on 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 some from that tradition but for them it was like no this is what our congregation needs to sit with again it doesn't mean radically reshape all their theology all their practices of worship but also there's a space for um, being stretched into yes. understanding a yeah. little more of who God is or who oh, he's he's created yes. us to be. Yes, yeah, that's wonderful, Jeremy. And also, what it this might be a bit tangential, but the but what that how that resonates with rhythm and pace and rhythms within our life and our rhythms of Jesus' life, and so. Resurrection didn't happen in a vacuum. Resurrection came after ashes. Mm -hmm. And so that place of being able then to appreciate resurrection because we appreciate and have experienced and and engaged with ashes, I think is part of that holistic, that whole life, that place of, of understanding without being trite, understanding without being superficial, without being one-dimensional, two-dimensional, but being, was it N.T. Wright, you know, fully human, mm-hmm. that place of coming to, um, yeah, understand that, that it, across the liturgical year, um, that for Lent, for Easter, for remembering, for... Um, covenanting for Christmas, for but that those places for ascension, for realizing that there's a pace and there's a rhythm that we can tap into, yeah. that we don't have to um, 
as those beautiful pastors came to you and, and did you write that? We don't have to be rewriting, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. There is a lot that has been written. There is history and church fathers, church mothers mm -hmm. that have wrestled with the same things we're wrestling with and the same um, questions that we have and have thought and have penned and have explored and have, have written um, expressions that we can benefit mm. from today. You're, yeah, I really sense you're highlighting kind of the importance of embodying our theology, embodying mm. scripture. Mm. Um, mm. And again, some of our traditions swing one, you know, yes, different ways yes, and yes, some yes. really overemphasize maybe suffering yes, and death yes, and others. Yeah, it's yeah. only... Yeah, resurrection yeah. again that's why i love baptism as as one of those signs mm. of the entrance to to the church it's yes. been a christian initiation right yes. from from the very beginning and it's right. you die and you're yes. and you're raised you're so dead to true. sin in the old self and you're yes. you're in christ and kind of that rhythm that we see it as you mentioned like yeah. holy week it's yes. it's yeah. there's sadness there's yeah. a mourning over over the cost of what christ has done mm. for us and for mm. the world but also, come on Sunday morning. Yeah, we, yeah, you yeah. Better go for yeah. You better yeah. go for it. And, yeah. and kind of yeah, embodying yeah, yeah. that artistically. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Why does what we sing matter? Mm. Why does what we pray? Mm. Why does that matter? Mm. Particularly again mm. in, in corporate worship, as we're mm. leading corporate worship. Why mm. does theology I, yeah. and song matter? I think. I think it, it's everything that you have just said you know, in terms of rhythms and pacing and connecting to the story. So if we're only singing one part of the story, i.e. resurrection, then we become people that don't have an understanding of um, lament mm -hmm. and lent and pain and waiting so yes, there was Good Friday, and yes, there was Easter Sunday, but there was also Saturday, where, where God is dead on Saturday. And if you don't, if you, it, so again, it's that place of how do we become people that are holistic in realizing that there are places and people that who feel God is absent. So that, so that we can, um, and another phrase, in fact, I was talk, we were talking to another student just before here about the diet. You know, if you're only eating, you know, mm -hmm. I love rice and peas and chicken, but if I only eat rice and peas and chicken, you know, and don't realize that I can get some good veg, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's kind of just realizing that, that, that why do we need... Um, why do we sing? Why do we need good theology? It's about connecting with the story of God. You know, we have some friends with, in, in Resound back in the UK that have just brought out an album called Doxicology, you know, mm. and the need to, yes, we recognize a God of that, that weeps and a God that walks with us tenaciously to persevere. But if we don't have a recognition of a God that loves creation and, and how are we responding and responsible to our God, who is a creator God for the world that God has made? If we don't, if we're not, then we will become people that don't have a, an understanding of how, how, 
what do I do with my recycling? What do I do with my... So there's so many questions around that that we can do that, that actually being followers of Jesus can speak to all these dimensions and our singing and our worship isn't the answer, but it's part of the, the ability to, to express and at least ask the questions, respond to, wrestle with, celebrate, lament, journey on with a God who, who, who knows about yeah. this. I mean, you're, you're resonating with, again, mentioned his name earlier, John Whitfleet talks about worship leadership as a spiritual dietitian. Okay, <laughs> and so right. We're, we're thinking about, yes, not just meat, yes. not just burgers, yes. but really yeah. what are all the components of the Christian life so yes. we can have a multifaceted, yes. holistic yes. expression of yes. who God has called yes. us to be, but yes. also that reflects yes. Yes. who he That's is true. in yeah. all time, all place. Yeah. Come on, even, come on. Yeah. And I think what you were saying earlier about, you know, so I, I think there is that tension and there will always be that tension between, you know, I know I would hear what I have just said and think, oh no, does that mean I need to have a bit of everything, you know? But I think what you said earlier about, you know, being true to who we are, being true even to our callings within our denominations, that kind of core place where this is what we lean towards, but it's also being aware that there is more that we can bring in, that we can reference, so that it's not like, um, you know, a little bit of everything, of something for everyone, but it is at least being aware that even given our preferences and our leanings, there are things and resonances out there that may well for this particular Sunday or for this particular part of our community be of value and unlock for them a mm. truth that they've not experienced mm. before. Mm. It's beautiful. I want to just the last couple of minutes just change directions a little bit. Mm. This has been so helpful, and I think particularly for worship leaders, musicians, liturgists, uh, you know, producers, those in production arts too, like you're encouraging us to think theologically, mm -hmm. think about formative things. Mm -hmm. I want to take it back to us as yeah. leaders of worship, like uh -huh. the personhood mm -hmm. side of things. And there, there's a, a recent book that's, that's come out um, by uh, Marcel Sturnego. It, it talks about church music through the lens of performance. Oh, now, in some, in some, you you probably haven't read it yet. It's no, it's no, recently no, just no. just come out, um, but it's it's part of his his doctoral dissertation. And mm. of course, I, I don't know about you, but in the traditions I've spent most of my time serving mm. in, mm. performance excellence mm. are sometimes dirty words yes, like true. in a rehearsal true. while you're you're yeah. working really hard to nail the charts true. to sh share on yeah. Sunday morning yeah. you don't talk about performance and yeah. excellence and yeah. he, he reflects yeah. on that a lot but then also mm. um, reflects specifically on us as leaders of worship those who stand those who mm. preach those who pray mm. that there's essentially a double performance happening oh. and so one that we're actually authentically worshiping. We're, yeah, yeah. we're trying to express our love and devotion to the Lord. Yeah. But the other is that we're really conscious about every single word, yes, what yes. we're wearing, yes, what we yeah, sound like, that's good. That's um, good. our facial expressions. Yeah. And I think even more today we're with 
you know, YouTube and media. And yeah, right. even when we're not recording something, someone else yeah. might be recording <laughs> yeah. it. Like, do you yeah. recognize yeah. kind of these, you know, performance mm. personas, even though sometimes mm. we don't like, mm. maybe don't like that term mm. or have found it hard? Do you, mm. do you recognize in yourself sometimes a challenge to how am I going to authentically, sincerely mm. express love and devotion to God yeah. while I'm also... yeah. Trying to, yeah. Well, I I'm think, gonna be really honest. Yeah. Trying to look good, sound yeah. good. Oh um, my goodness! Uh, minimize, yeah. di- minimize distractions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. genuinely lead, lead people. Yeah. Remind me of the author again. Uh, Marcel Stuernagel. Right, Stuernagel. I I think that's one of the best um, definitions that that I've or ex- explanations or of performance and uh, and worship because what i think has happened in the past as you said at the beginning is that performances has in fact i've seen it as headlines in books and magazines performance versus worship so they're they're immediately polarized what i like about stuernego's um, expression that I've only just heard and that I'd, I'd like to explore more is... And, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm oversimplifying, no, of course. Of course, just... of course, thank you. But <laughs> but what I what I like is that double performance vibe. So they're not set at, at odds. They are... They, there's a recognition that you could have both and at the same time, because I think that's been the wrestle and the struggle and the tension of many is that, oh, I don't mention its performance because is that now not worship? But the fact that you can have that that excellence and working for excellence, and when we get to that that the place where it becomes public, that's a whole other that that will be a whole other thesis, I, I'm yeah. sure, in terms of what that looks like and what does excellence and what is excellence in that context. But in terms of performance, to have performance that's going on in terms of yeah, let's rehearse and know the song and be able to deliver that but the performance of being able to know that you're in front of a microphone don't mumble if you mumble then it the microphone doesn't correct it and sharpen it up for you it just amplifies you mumbling so it's kind of being aware of of that those aspects of and what we look like I know I've had some very animated shall we say conversations (laughs) with students and and people alike in terms of what we wear but again to be um and and I guess yeah like you say recent um upsurge in the boom of the visual digital kind of stuff what we wear is really important and so I I just think I'm not sure that I have a, a fully reasoned response to that but Mm. I appreciate the fact that those double performances can work in sync and at the same time. And you can actually explore and work with those at the same time, that they're not versus mm. each other. I think it, yeah, it allows us to, to recognize, particularly again in the, the free church, charismatic, Pentecostal, like we want it to be, I mean, all of worship, we want it to be authentic, and yeah. no matter what yeah. tradition, but yeah. particularly in that, like, yeah. There's yeah. a sense like, oh, she's trying to be a diva today, yes. or yes. oh, yes. isn't he really excited this yeah. morning? Well, yes. we're not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, but mm. he sure is. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah. But we want it to. We want to measure, you know, that sincerity and authenticity in one another. Yeah. But also, <laughs> go 
go study worship, go to a worship Come conference. On. You're going to yeah. learn about how to play music, yes. how to present, yes. how to create, you know, and produce media artifacts yes. And, yes. and how to engage. And so yes. to say yes. that that's not performative yes. Is, yes. or important is insincere, or, actually. Yes. It's, it's inauthentic yes. because, yes. It, be, yes. because yes. it is. Well, yes. I, yeah, I've loved having you today. The last the last thing I wanted to, to bring up is actually a question for from one of our undergraduate students. Okay. And she, she writes this, what are some things that you wish you knew about leadership at our age, you know, an undergrad student? Wow. So, you know, 18 to 22, as you look back as a seasoned professional, as someone who's songwriting, gospel choirs, recordings, playing, you know, yeah. teaching, wow. as you look back, what would you tell your, you know, 21, 22 year yeah. old self? What a great question, goodness. Um, I would say there's a lot about, f for me, relaxing who you are in God, which sounds really easy to say, but, and it is really easy to say, but, but the who you are in God bit will take an eternity to discover. That's what, that's mm. what I'm discovering. And so people used to say, let go and let God. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. And I've just said, relax and who you are in God. And some might be, I don't know what that means. So for <laughs> me, it's, it's about, about allow, allow, Allow yourself to be the daughter, the son that you are, that has the questions, that is still learning the practice of how to sing, is concerned with your warm-ups, is loving when you sing and you hear the voices. Allow yourself to kind of just be that rather than the place of the anxiety that can come with that, well, God, I am I in the right place is this is, is is my voice okay allow all of that allow yourself to be you and trust that you are developing into a daughter of God where in the hands of God absolutely nothing is wasted it's beautiful absolutely nothing is wasted that's a great place to put a pin in this conversation <laughs> yeah. to end today. Geraldine, thanks for your friendship. Oh, and it's been a joy you. to talk to you today. Thank you, Jeremy. A pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Worship Theology Podcast. And a special thanks to the Calvin Institute for Christian Worship and their support of this episode.